Welcome to this month's Leadership Foundation Sidious Playground Whispercast. And of course, a whisper is an introduction to an upcoming full-length podcast. And that gives you some time to do thinking and maybe even some reading if you want to. It also allows you to ask questions and make comments that will be included in the upcoming podcast on this topic. And you can send any of your input to leadershipfoundations.org. We are going to be talking about the table in this whisper. And uh, I'm here with Dave Hillis, president of LF. And why don't you tell us what that means and what, you know, kind of define that for us? Yeah, Rick, I mean, the, uh, again, the scripture is endlessly fascinating, you know, from so many different perspectives. I know there's been a number of us for a number of years that has asked the question, if you were to say, what was most important to Jesus um, that he seemed to talk about most? One of the things that come to, came up time and time again was this idea of the table. Uh, mm-hmm. Beginning in Matthew, going all the way through to John, what you um, find uh, time and again is Jesus gathering at a table, whether it's the Pharisees' table, yeah. you know, whether it's a tax collector's table, and pulling together a collection of people and of course, it sends absolute um, reverberations through the community because in that time, um, to be at table with anybody was to be, in effect, in the closest intimacy. Mm-hmm. Uh, it was the great sort of symbol, in some ways, uh, of, of ancient Palestine at that time. Uh, if you invited me to your table, by definition, it meant that you considered me a colleague, uh, even a friend. Mm-hmm. So it was in that context that uh, Jesus, of course, begins to create tables, as was the custom. Mm -hmm. But what was radically different was who he actually brought to the table. Hmm. Uh, People who were not good Jews, um, Samaritans, um, Gentiles, uh, even women uh, of all things. And then even to take it a step further, uh, certain people with uh, certain resumes uh, that, that probably wouldn't quite pass the mustard as well. Um, ultimately, I, I would argue um, in many ways, Rick, that it was the table um, that got Jesus crucified. Mm-hmm. Um, you remember at, at the end when they're pressing a case of, of trying to crucify Jesus, and you know it's, it's actually Pilate himself that says that the guy hasn't done anything wrong. Well, they continue to press, and... I would, I, would, I would say that I think that part of the reason they were pressing was this guy and the tables that he sat at mm-hmm. uh, all through the Gospels. Yeah, yeah. In fact, the, the uh, one distinctive was that, you know, Jesus kept inviting people to table who couldn't invite him to theirs, you mm-hmm. know, which I, was mm-hmm. part of the custom, you know, mm-hmm. it was sort of a trade-off. But now I don't know if this is from, my dad used to have a book called Snappy Sermon Starters, and it was full of <laughs> fiction to make pastors sound important but i think this might actually have some merit so this could be not only uh you know a possibility but you could you know somebody can email us if they say uh, that's a urban legend but mm-hmm. i wanted to know myself why uh, in a wedding ceremony there was this one uh you know act where it i i seemed staged just for the photographer but they were, where they would take you know pieces of cake right and shove it into each other's faces mm-hmm. you know and it has become like sort of ceremonial comedy now or whatever but where did that come from and from best i could find it was an ancient jewish practice it, it's the earliest reference is this idea that if i um and it kind of goes back to the even the days of uh, somebody else eating our food before we eat it to make mm-hmm. sure that you know mm-hmm. we're going to feel good after mm-hmm. we get done but it was this extreme um trust 
where you would take food off of your plate and offer it to me. And I would take food from your, you know, like we'd exchange. Absolutely. And when we were uh, in Israel, I asked a guy, is this true or not? And he said, yeah, there's actually, uh, and he, you know, uh, put on a nifty little Hebrew uh, statement. And he said, there's, a, there's actually a statement they make when they do that, which is translated, you do me honor. Mm. And he said he, uh, that was part of, you know, the profound uh, idea of sitting at table together, that mm-hmm. if you were at table, then even to take it to another level, if you were sharing the same food, mm-hmm. you know, there was, it was all about intimacy versus, you know, I mean, now it's to me, you know, like just caloric, yeah. but, you know. <laughs> but yeah, yeah, pretty cool. Well, and yeah, I mean, I think that's, I, I did not know that, but that, uh, that makes great sense to me. Uh, and, and we, you know, intuitively sense this even today, uh, with much less of the, you know, the rituals and the customs. But if somebody invites you over to dinner, mm-hmm. there is a kind of assumed intimacy yeah. uh, that, that takes place when you, when you bring people you know, down to, the, to sit at your table. What even though I think becomes more radical, you know, particularly when we think about it in Jesus's time, is that it wasn't just about, you know, building a relationship or, you know, breaking some convention. Um, my argument would be is that he was literally remaking our concept of God. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, who is this God um, that would do these kinds of things? And that, I think, is the, is the shattering theological idea that's taking place at table. Right. Is this God that we thought might have been removed far off, uh, if God is close, this God is mad at us um, now through the use of table. Uh, what Jesus is saying is this God is very, very different than mm-hmm. what you imagined. Um, and so that becomes, um, yeah, there's no other way to say that than a bit breathtaking. Yeah, what an incredible story. And, of course, uh, when we think about um, who was at the table with Jesus, you know, even to back up one and, and have Jesus, you know, make references to, hey, if you've, you know, you believe in God, believe in me. Mm-hmm. Or, you know, if, you know, if you want to see how uh, God operates, you know, check this out. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and mm-hmm. then he starts, then he goes, you know, he has all these meals with mm-hmm. folks. And, uh, and, and the diversity and also um, uh, the incredible inclusion that he demonstrated with, with the guests, whether he was a guest at a, a you know, a very unusual uh, dinner party or whether he yeah. initiated it. Um, how do you see parallels in that today, especially maybe in the work of LF or in the work of, of folks that are that are loving their cities and, and seeing the city as a, a playground instead yeah. of a battleground? Yeah. So I, again, this, this uh, topic fascinates me for a whole host of reasons. Um, but one of the things that I would say that the table, at least an aspect of the table, is that you then begin to get the sense the way that Jesus used the table is that he is always moving, thus you know, demonstrating who this God is towards inclusion rather than exclusion. That that, you know, along with everything else, um, was what was being communicated. And that you get to a place where you sense that nobody, uh, at least the way that Jesus sets the table, is excluded. Mm-hmm. Well, I take that, you know, uh, in many ways, Rick, as the model by which an organization um, like Leadership Foundation should be built. 
Um, you know, in effect, we have this thing called a 501c3 with a board of directors and all of that. But if you distilled it down to its essence, what it is is it's a table mm -hmm. um, that we believe God has, has created to see cities as playgrounds rather than battlegrounds. So the question that I'm always trying to ask myself as, uh, you know, one person who's helping steward this, is our table, the Leadership Foundation table, moving towards inclusion or moving towards exclusion? Mm -hmm. And there I think we begin to get very specific. Um, you know, in other words, you show up to a meeting um, and you look around, uh, and I'll just use one example because this is what we're going to be talking about. Um, are there women um, sitting at this table mm -hmm. whose voices um, are, you know, loud and clear and empowered or not? Mm -hmm. um, and, and so that's a place that I think, you know, you know Leadership Foundations needs to be thinking about. Um, and if they aren't, um, what have we put in the way? Um, what, what roadblocks have we raised up that is preventing that? And those are the hard conversations that is, you know, we know in this world, um, you know, no one wants to have. Or, mm -hmm. or if we do have, we, we just kind of sit around like we're, you know, uh, sort of waiting for, for something to strike. I think the same thing would be true with people of color. I think the same question would be asked of, again, all aspects. Um, and the central idea is, is that you're a, you're a table. You know, mm -hmm. and are you moving towards inclusion or are you moving towards exclusion? Yeah, and I, I uh, think that this particular Whispercast, we're going to focus on that gender equity. Did you notice when you start talking about gender equity, there was some static that happened, <laughs> and that could have been like some uh, misogynist hackers that were trying to get in there. But you know, anyway, we pushed through. Way to go, Dave. They did, yeah. But I think the uh, the the concept of uh, actually, there's a book by this title, but it's, it's, I looked it up. It's an old Chinese proverb, ancient Chinese proverb, which says, women hold up half the sky. Mm. And so the book that's uh, been written about some of the work of uh, different uh, you know, organizations around the world that are working for gender equity, uh, especially in, you know, in a global context, that, that's, that's a pretty remarkable book. But I like that. That idea is important. And, you know, Jesus, I mean, obviously... Uh, he got it, you know, mm -hmm. he understood, but it's it, when we think about um, the table and we realize that women hold up half the sky that, you know, like, mm -hmm. I mean, you know, half of the population of, of uh, the humans, mm -hmm. you know, are, are gender specific, mm -hmm. then um, that's a pretty important way to, to ask ourselves about representation and, you know, and, you know, the, the makeup of the organization, any organization, yeah. Um, and especially, uh, you know, again, as I'm sitting kind of in the church chair, not a, not not awesome in some of the history of the church. Yeah, you might even go a bit further. And yeah, say, no kidding. You know, horrible. And uh, and what, what and that's particularly heartbreaking. Yeah. Um, you know, the the institution that, you know, I think has been given this mandate uh, to build the table of God uh, as modeled after Jesus uh, now becomes the protector of this table. Mm -hmm. And I, I would, you know, again, say that, of course, you know, not all that have done that are with, you know, malintent. I mean, sometimes it's just the, you know, the nature of stuff. But I think we, we constantly need as leaders of organizations to be asking the question, uh, given this model of Jesus, um, you know, what does the table of our organization look like? Mm -hmm. And what kind of things are we putting into place in order to expand that table. Because again, what's hanging in the balance, and, and this is 
what makes me at least sit up a little bit straight uh, or not sleep well at night uh, is the image of God. Mm -hmm. And the notion, you know, of building an organization that is claiming, you know, God, but not actually demonstrating, you know, what this God looks like, um, that feels a bit tragic. Now, let me uh, tease something out for you and mm -hmm. see if this is, if I'm even close here. Mm -hmm. But, you know, I've heard you talk before about the fact that um, the quote, the a mission is the mother of theology. Mm -hmm. And in what ways uh, does theology become more important than mission in some cases? And that's kind of what causes us to set the table, you know, to preserve power instead of give it away. I mean, am I close there? I, I think you've captured the, you know, uh, what metaphor to use here, the, you know, the fly in the ointment that I think is always nipping at the heels of any kind of institution, but particularly the church, because you, you get to a place, uh, or I, a church expanded in the sense of anybody that's running a faith-based organization, mm -hmm. because at some point, you know, you do begin to think that somehow protecting this table mm -hmm. um, is is actually what God would have you do. I yeah. mean, like, why else would you do, you know, <laughs> what you're doing if God wasn't empowering it? And so to to reverse that and say, actually, it's going to be closest to God. If you're constantly inviting, you're constantly opening up the doors. You're constantly opening up the windows. Um, I mean, I, I've uh, it's 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 the table image, but with a little bit of a different twist. Uh, mm -hmm. It's been told that when John the Twenty Third, who's now a saint, <coughs> uh, became pope in 1958, um, you know he was uh, he was a compromise candidate, um, right? The conservatives couldn't get their guy in, and the progressives couldn't get their guy in. So it's like. Well, let's put John the 23rd in there. He probably won't last very long anyway, and, you know, we'll be able to marshal our forces. So he gets the job. Um, you know, here you are. You're, you know, the head of the largest organization in the world. And one of his assistants said, Your Holiness, what are you going to do? I mean, it was just like, are you kidding? <laughs> you, you got this job. And the story goes that John the 23rd didn't say anything. He walked to the window of the Vatican apartment and just simply opened it up. Mm -hmm. I love that image. Yeah. Um, I, I think that that is what it means to, you know, kind of hold the table and just open it up. Wow, Dave. Wouldn't it be great in our feature length podcast to have a guest that we could talk to that would actually talk to us about, you know, gender equity at the table? Um, Anything you can do in that area for me? <laughs> Make that um, yeah, Rick, uh, it, it's actually, um, I'm, I'm very excited about our full-length podcast uh, here uh, where we are going to have a chance to talk with uh, Jean Milliken. Jean actually is the uh, wife of Bill Milliken, although I think more properly uh, Bill is the husband of mm -hmm. Jean. Um, <laughs> But Jean is um, an extraordinary vo voice, has been very, very important to leadership foundations uh, since our inception. An Episcopalian priest, um, she's retired now and uh, is working with uh, inmates in and around uh, their emotional and spiritual healing, uh, but has a particular, I think, just sort of uh, idea around what does it mean to make sure that the table um, is uh, including women. And, uh, and so we'll have a very, very good conversation with her. I'm excited about that. And that, that'll uh, actually um, 
I think that conversation will be like a jackhammer. No, I'm just <laughs> I'm trying to tie in the uh, the jackhammer, yeah, the construction right. yeah. back. But yeah, no, that'll be absolutely great. Looking forward to that, and uh, and that's coming up on our next uh, full length podcast. So uh, feel free to send us questions. Uh, I think uh, you know the the concept of um, you know opening the window and and not trying to protect the table is such a beautiful image, and, mm-hmm. and then also to sort of push the table thing maybe you know even off course a little bit but you know jesus did he tipped a few of them over Mm -hmm. that got started to become you know like um just completely uh misapplied yeah you know so i think that's a a powerful image as well well yeah and i think maybe even to end with that you know one of the things that the church very smartly did was grab a hold of this concept and of course uh pull it into the liturgy itself Mm -hmm. so that at least in many traditions uh, it is the table that the whole liturgy uh, you know pivots around with the Eucharist you know the meal yeah uh, you know becoming the high water mark and that's again you know there's Catholics do it this way and Episcopalians do it this way and Pentecostals do it this way but I think one of the things that we can reclaim is that we all do um, use that as a central image of our you know day in day out worship uh today in the 21st century yeah yeah i think that's so true and i i I feel like uh um this upcoming uh podcast with uh, gene is going to be great because it's just one area where we we can really um you know learn and ask ourselves you know are we uh are we sitting at the kind of table that jesus uh has modeled for us so that's gonna be great yep uh, also, uh, once again, it's info at leadershipfoundations.org if you have any questions or input. And uh, we are sitting at the podcast table right now, Dave, in your office. So thanks for uh, uh, making this possible and uh, look forward to talking to Gene uh, at our next opportunity. Great, Rick. Thank you. Thank you.